This, the Chad and Cheese podcast brought to you in partnership with TA Tech. TA Tech, the Association for Talent Acquisition Solutions. Visit tatech.org. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All right, all right, all right, everybody. This is Joel Cheeseman, Chad and Cheese Show. Welcome. Today we have a really special, cool show that Chad and I are super psyched about. Uh, we have Jeff. So psyched. We have Jeff Tenery of Moonlighting um, on the show. Jeff, welcome. Great to be here. Great to have you. Um, look, everybody, if, if you're if you're in the dark as much as Chad and I are about crypto, whatever ICOs, blockchain, and what that means to employment. Um, this is your show. We're going to talk to Jeff, who's doing a lot of things around this space, um, and get down to the bottom of what it means and is it really as much bullshit as Chad and I <laughs> There you go. It's commercial time. Okay, Joel, quick question. Yep. What happens when your phone vibrates or your texting alert goes off? <laughs> Dude, I pretty much check it immediately. And I bet everyone listening is reaching to check their phones right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I call it our Pavlovian dog reflex to text messaging. Yeah, that's probably why text messaging has a freaking 97% open rate. What? Crazy high candidate response rate within the first hour alone. Which are all great reasons why the Chad and Cheese podcast love yeah. text to hire from next. Love it. Yep, that's right. Next with the double X, not the triple X. Boom, chicka, bow, wow. So if you're in talent acquisition, <laughs> you want true engagement and great ROI. That stands for return on investment, folks. And yes. because this is the Chad and Cheese podcast, you can try your first text to hire campaign for just 25% off. Boom. Wow. So how do you get this discount? You're asking yourself right now. Tell them, Chad. It's very simple. You go to chadcheese.com and you click on the next logo in the sponsor area. Easy. No long URL to remember. Yeah. Just go where you know. Chadcheese.com and next with two X's. It's showtime. Well, let's hear about uh, a little bit about you and Moonlighting, I guess, to start off for those who, who don't know you. Yeah, well, Moonlighting is a three, almost three and a half year old company that is focused in on helping people generate and create their own form of income. So back in 2008, my colleagues and I and co-founders, um, you know, we suffered through, like many, uh, the Great Recession and, and kind of the fallout of the market and, you know, found ourselves not quite unemployed, but scared at the, at the concept of being unemployed. Um, so um, it took us a few years to kind of uh, to come up with the plan and the vision. But, you know, Moonlighting has been called uh, the Craigslist without creepy uh, without the creepiness, which is something <laughs> we really giggle at. Um, but we've, we've really uh, we focused in on mobile and speed by which we can get people connected. And so um, it's it's a labor of love. We have we're very passionate and and, are, you know, we've grown very quickly. We have over six hundred thousand uh, people have signed up to be a Moonlighter on our platform here in the States backed by the three largest uh, news media companies in the U.S., uh, Gannett, Tronk, and McClatchy. And uh, we're a top 10 app in the App Store for the past two years um, 
in the jobs category. So we're, we're definitely capturing uh, people's attention and really focused in on what we think is instead of working for the man, we think you should be working for yourself and creating, you know, some form of independence, uh, just in case, God forbid, the uh, market turns again on you from an employment perspective. Now, now I know I know Chad's chomping at the bit to ask a question, yeah. but I have to make a comment that thank God you have a solid URL because <laughs> when I found out it was actually moonlighting.com, I about fell out of my seat yeah. because every URL today is goblank.io or goblank.ca.uk or so like <laughs> – I just want to say thank you for having a simple URL that that I and everyone else can figure out. Well, we we had it took us a few years actually to get there. We had to raise some money um, and actually had to go buy that. And thinking maybe that the the old Bruce Willis Sybil Shepherd show would somehow have a hold of that, it did not. And nice. so we were able to buy it. But we we went through those iterations in the early days. I mean, yeah, that's uh, sometimes the path by which you have to you have to go. And and obviously you thought it was worth it because you stepped back and you had cash available and you went after a URL that you thought was going to make sense and it was a .com. You weren't playing the IOIA game. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> yes, thank you for that. And yes, Chad is still trying to look like Bruce Willis um, to this day. <laughs> and, and he has a full head of hair, but he shaves it just to try to look like Bruce. I'm actually more sexy than Bruce is. A little hidden secret for the show. It's for the fans. Okay, so I got to get into this. So it was funny that you started off saying something about not being as creepy, especially with most of us kind of like on the outside of blockchain and, and the Bitcoin and the currency side of the house. Because, I mean, really that that area of the quote unquote feeling like the dark web has been crazy shady with Silk Road, um, all of the all of the crazy shady things that have been happening with Bitcoin, Bitcoin Foundation. How do you I mean, how do you separate yourself from that? Because everybody automatically starts saying, oh, ICO, oh, Bitcoin, and they start to really attach you to things that have happened in the past. And what and what is an ICO? That might be a better place to start for some people. Yeah, so an, an ICO is uh, short for initial coin offering, used very similar to an initial public offering, which most people and investors are familiar with. And it's a phenomenon that's uh, taken place over the last 18 months where smaller upstart companies are, uh, are leveraging blockchain and they're leveraging uh, cryptocurrency to be able to raise funding uh, for their companies, projects very similar to crowdfunding or crowdsourcing. Mm -hmm. But they're also doing it where um, they're finding the utility that can be used. So when you create a token, it's not just a token for the sake of token's sake, but it, by putting it out there so that, that you could use it within your particular uh, use case or solution. So in this case with Moonlighting, we have a very strong use case, which is using the Moonbit, which is what we're calling the Moonbit um, for our coin, to be able to use it to make uh, payments or receive payments and also to be able to uh, buy services, premium services, so it's not unlike a lot of the gaming world that when you think about a lot of the gaming that goes on, uh, people buying digital weapons or digital coins or using currency mm -hmm. for the candy crushes of the world. So it's really it's a phenomenon that's that's given some uh, some leverage back to startups uh, instead of having to chase always after the, the venture money, which can be very challenging. 
So back to the back to the original question. Yeah. How do you separate yourself from the the shadiness that we've seen from uh, Bitcoin and some of the other like Silk Roads of of the world in that in that arena? Because again, the rest of the world really we, we're only seeing the bad stuff thus far and not the good stuff. What are you guys doing to be able to separate? Yourself? You know, we've been around for three years, so unlike a lot of these uh, ICO projects that are literally nothing more than PowerPoints or you know. Uh, demonstrations of, of thought around in a white paper, right? We have been around for three years. So we've seen what has been working in the gig economy and what hasn't, what's been um, holding it back. And the number one issue is trust. People don't know who they're hiring. If you think about Craigslist analogy, but even Uber, you don't know who your driver is. Yeah, you're relying on maybe an $8 background check that Uber did to find the right person to drive you, the safe person to drive you. So what we're right. doing with Moonlighting is uh, we, we've got 600,000 people signed up. So we have very rich profile data. That data is great, but it's all user generated by the folks that have signed up. And so we believe moving those, um, those profiles onto the blockchain makes it more authentic, makes it more real. And these are things like your recommendations, your reviews, your payment, tr- transaction history. All of those things on the blockchain will bring, bring more credibility to a freelancer make it more trusted. And so we're, we're migrating over where some of the, some of the people on our platform won't make it over, right? Uh, they just, they won't cut the mustard because um, they are, they you know, they may not be operating in the, in the best fashion or don't have the best reviews. And so I think what will happen is mm-hmm. with, specifically with moonlighting is the cream will rise to the top blockchain profiles will be the new norm. And then also using, you know, cryptocurrency to exchange um, payments makes a lot of sense as we look to glow. We're, we're planning to go global um, towards the tail end of this year in Canada, UK, and Latin America. Well, and those those are two two entirely different subjects that I definitely want to hit head on. But first, the validation, the resume validation piece, and also the the the, the background checks, which obviously is 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 great for uh, blockchain, or at least like it seem seems that it is. But you said user generated, and and we've we're seeing and we've seen over the years that trying to get somebody to actually fill out a ton of information about themselves is really hard, which is why you see a ton of these uh, organizations right now are going out to the web, they're scouring it, and they're pulling data back about you to make your profile mm-hmm. more full. Are you guys doing something like that? Are you just just really focused on the only data we're taking is directly from point A being the actual candidate themselves. Yeah, every bit of data that you see on Moonlighting today has been generated by the actual user, which plays itself wonderfully into the blockchain strategy for us. So we're not right. we're not screen scraping, we're not going out there and pulling profiles, we're not uh, grabbing everything from a LinkedIn profile or a Connect uh, Facebook Connect. Everything that you see in a profile from Moonlighting has actually been generated, which is real to your point, super hard and difficult and um, it's something that we've uh, we've been very good at, and I think people want to tell their stories about how they want to work. Yeah, no question, no question. So how do you how do you engage them to get more rich data? Because that's the hardest part, right? Is the engagement piece. Tell me more about yourself. More about mm-hmm. yourself. Yes. Yeah, so we have not done anything other than ask them, and this is kind of like not being cute, but um, we have just gone to the market with I think a message of uh, trying to take back your your work career and and, and pursue your passions. What we plan to do, though, with the blockchain and with our ICO is when we launch the token is a big part of the, the use of the Moonbit will be a rewards program. So for the first time, we'll be able to actually reward the users on, their pla- on the platform that use it the most and do the most uh, amount of business and engage it the most. So what we're excited, and this is very similar to, 
uh, an app called Kick. If you're uh-huh. familiar with that, a messaging app that's uh, that's very popular. We're rewarding, and you know, the actual users will be um, what drives the platform forward and will help us expand. Well, and that sounds in- interesting because Jobium is doing that right now. I don't know if you're familiar with them or not. They've got the, the, the there are a, there are a host of them that are out there. But again, when you see, don't don't get fooled uh-huh. by okay, a company announces ICO. Then you know they're doing this thing. They're decentralizing this, or they're uh-huh. decentralizing that. What we've done is we we got a three year track record with true transactions with people operating on our platform. We're not just that white paper. A lot of those folks, and in, in, in even Datum and some of the other ones that are out there um, that have conducted very successful ICOs and have great blockchain uh-huh. projects, they don't have any, they don't have any customers. Yeah. And so what I mean by that is that what I think is unique and why we've gotten so much attention is, and I'm not you know trying to brag is that we, we have real users and real data and everything is authentic and kind of homegrown organically. And so I think that's what makes, you know, what will make our platform stand out more uniquely. And then our bigger, grander vision is to not just keep, you know, the world of keeping your data for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like I think Facebook and some of those companies are going to be under a lot of pressure because Facebook owns all the data, they control all the data and they monetize all the data. What we plan on doing with the with the moonlighting profile, a blockchain profile, is to make it available for our users to control where they want the profile to be, and them to be compensated for that where they where they do want to share their data. So, long story short, not to go down you know a rabbit hole, is I think places like Facebook, Amazon, places where they want to control the data and not share it, are going to be the ones under the biggest duress because marketplaces like moonlighting that are on the blockchain where you, the user, control the profile. Mm-hmm. That is where the market's heading, and I think that's where um, the revolution of blockchain really begins. Jeff, help me if we could go back to ICOs for a little bit. And I, blockchain is making more sense to me now. So the sort of the the catalyst for this was um, a story I did for Erie about Connect Job, a company over in, in Europe, I believe, that has raised over a million dollars in their initial coin offering. Um, how does how does that actually work when you raise money? Do do people say I'll buy it for ten bucks and then they get one, you know, moonbit and then it becomes more valuable? Um, and then my second question is 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 having an ICO similar to almost like a country having their own currency? So will I be able to have moonbits that I get from jobs that I do on the site and then can I transfer that into? Bitcoin, or can I transfer it to my, you know, my Wells Fargo account into dollars? Um, talk about those two sort of issues for me, please. Yeah. So all of these ICOs are using a platform called Ethereum, and so you're, you know, it's kind of the second most popular cryptocurrency. And, and Ethereum was born out of um, what Bitcoin wasn't doing. So Bitcoin is used for payments, but mostly speculative trading right now. But Ethereum said, "Hey, listen, let's let other companies, let's let uh, people build their tokens on top of our platform." So what, going back to your earlier, your first part of the question was, you know, everything that's created, a, a moon bit that we're creating, a token that's being created is actually being done with an ERC-20 standard by which you could use Ethereum to get to that token and also back out of it, almost like a gateway. So you buy Ethereum and then turn around and, and buy a moon bit. And then if you receive a moon bit, you can back into an Ethereum, which, by the way, all goes back to fiat, which is basically the fancy word for for a U.S. dollar or whatever uh, currency of a country. So you go back to your then mm-hmm. second part of your question, which is, is it like a form of being within a country? The answer is absolutely for solutions like um, moonlighting, right? It's like being in, on the moonlighting platform 
We have a currency. You could use it. You don't have to, by the way. You can still use the U.S. dollar or the pound, um, the euro to, to make transactions take place. But the benefits of the token, just like when you go to Chuck E. Cheese, they could let you use all of the tokens, right? They could let you put your quarter in there, which makes that easier for you to walk out of there and use it elsewhere. Or they can get you to buy the token because that's what's going to drive the tickets and you can go buy the crappy gifts, all of that. Like, So it's happening within an ecosystem and that's the way the token world will play out. Although some projects and some companies like ours is we're not going to just relegate the moon bit to just our marketplace. If there are other gig economy marketplaces mm-hmm. that are out there that want to use it, we'll have APIs available. And that's, again, the idea of kind of giving yourself up to blockchain and to the platform and let it be governed by the users and then also be very open to sharing the technology, which is what makes makes it trusted. Yeah, I appreciate you using the Chuck E. Cheese uh, example there because uh, that just helps Joel understand this more. It's, it's um, my favorite restaurant, by the <laughs> way. Fine dining and uh, cocktails included. I have five kids, by the way, guys, so I, I've spent a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you probably know a little bit about Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, that's what Joel has to wake up to. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, can I can I give you ten dollars and buy tokens? I mean, is that how this works? Yeah. What you'll do is you you could basically go to an exchange and you could um, take your U.S. dollar. You will buy uh-huh. Ethereum, right? And then from Ethereum, you can turn around and buy a Moonbit. And that's and then I and then I can use my Moonbit with anyone who accepts Ethereum. That's uh, you can use the Moonbit. Um, it's yeah, correct. If other people are using uh, Moonbit and and have accepted that, that is correct. Okay, so say I'm using other bits or other coins or what have you. If they're all backed by Ethereum, there's probably some exchange rate for the Moon Moonbit versus these other coins. Is that is that also kind of like the same thing? Almost like the the same kind of scenario that we're looking at the U.S. dollar versus the euro or what have you. Yeah, and it's really crazy right now. So as we're planning for our ICO. Believe it, like our spreadsheets are changing by the minute because Ethereum's gone up, it's down, it's, it's very volatile. Yes. So at the point when we do the ICO, there'll be a, that'll be the jump off point where one moon bit will equal X Ethereum. And that I won't be able to tell you until we get to the point of launching the ICO. But that, that's how that works is so it'll, tie, it'll be tied back to a value of Ethereum to, um, to, to, for you to be able to gauge it against the U.S. dollar and really against other cryptocurrencies, you can turn around with Ethereum and buy Bitcoin or Ripple or Litecoin, mm-hmm. um, all the other the other uh, currencies. So, what what about these these background check companies that are out there today? It sounds like, and I could be entirely wrong; wouldn't be the first time um, that really blockchain could get rid of. I mean, background checks and these background check companies, because you've got all the data, it's all legitimate data that's been checked before. Um, mm-hmm. And you can just continue to hit that day. I mean, so, so would, ba- is there an issue perspectively for background companies and some of these validation organizations that are out there? I don't think so, because I think the good ones, right, that have good data, you're always going to want good data, right? And there's mm-hmm. always a starting point because remember, starting from scratch, like right. we've been at this for three years and while 600,000 users is great, that's still, again, a small fraction of what of the freelancers out there in the U.S. And so I think that the background companies, the good ones, will figure out how to use blockchain and then just leverage that data, make sure that it's authentic and it's being, you know, what, what the beauty of all of this with blockchain is that it's really democratizing you controlling your data, your business, whatever it may be. And a background check is your data, right? It's what you want it to be. And you can't just fudge it because over time, most of these blockchain uh, marketplaces and background, you know, all of anywhere, they're going to let the, re- the real data that happens in real time, you know, that's what gets um, 
put on the ledger, right? The distributed ledger. Right. And that's what basically sits there and becomes immutable, which is the fancy word for saying you can't erase it or you can't yeah. get rid of it. And I think that that's where like, no, I wouldn't say like a, a background company at all, I think has a very legitimate opportunity and should be moving to blockchain just to take that data. They actually have a jump start on it. It's like, I think it would be interesting not to go back and make this a Facebook conversation or an Amazon conversation, but I think the bigger companies are the ones that are, you know, that's why banks are so threatened and countries are being, you know, threatened. Yeah. Large institutions where they have a control from a central point are going to be disrupted and how they embrace this is going to be very, very interesting. Jeff, how would you explain blockchain to a sixth grader? Ah, how would I explain it to a sixth grader blockchain? Um, I would describe it as, um, you know, th there's a ledger that has kind of your, your, uh, your, your pros and your cons, your minuses and your, neg your negatives and your positives. And everything that happens in that, that from a coding perspective gets put on to this, making sure that it's balanced, that things net out to where the positive and the negative equal kind of net zero. So what I would tell a sixth grader is um, it's code. And most sixth graders, by the way, know far more about coding than, you know, I'm a 49-year-old uh, entrepreneur than, than myself or perhaps you gentlemen. But the sixth grader understands coding and IT will understand that it's basically code that you can't, um, that you can't um, change once it's written. It becomes uh, something that you have to like, you know, the golden rule of like you do what you say, you say what you do. And it becomes something that um, that once you put it out there is something you got to honor. And uh, there's a thing called uh, loyalty and honor to what what is being written and done. And so I think that's how I would at least begin the conversation. From there, the distributed part I think is a little bit more complex for any anyone, even sixth graders, to uh, basically if somebody wants to hack, which most sixth graders understand what hacking is. Somebody wants to hack the the blockchain. Mm. It's very difficult to do it because basically you're messing with everybody on the blockchain. And so if you try to break the blockchain and it kind of immediately um, breaks so nothing can happen. So I should say it breaks, but it stops. So you can't do anything because everything's distributed. So if you try to steal from one person, you're trying to really steal from many. So probably a horrible so, analogy on all parts, but that's how I would so always I, try, to, try to break it down for a sixth grader. So I understand how it works with money a little bit. So the way it was, the way it was explained to me is if, if today, if you, if I want to give Chad a hundred dollars, through my Chase bank account, right? It would go to Chase and then Chase would basically give it to Chad. Whereas today, if I wanted to give Chad 100 Bitcoin or whatever, I would basically tell the blockchain, which is a, a large group of people keeping, a keeping various ledgers, and I would say, I'm giving uh, Chad 100 Bitcoin. And then they would all basically take note of that and it would be record for everybody. There wouldn't be a central sort of monolithic thing, keeping the records of all this stuff. Would that be sort of correct? And if, if it is, how does this pertain to my resume or searching for a job? Um, because that's not necessarily money driven. It's data driven or identity driven. I would say it's not even like to take the money piece aside as you just did. It's rules driven. Right. So wherever. So you still need to, regardless whether it's your resume, right, or, you know, whatever, what, you know, a picture, right, like Kodak's doing their, their ICO now, which is very interesting. But, yeah, so whatever it is you're putting on the blockchain, which, by the way, you can't store much on the blockchain today from a technology perspective. It's fairly limited. That's why Bitcoin's so slow and all these cryptocurrencies are so slow. Yeah. But it's, it's rules driven. So what I would say is kind of going back to your sixth grade analogy, like what are the rules of engagement in whatever you are using that happens to be engaging or using blockchain technology? So 
could be your school grades, right? So going back to your sixth grade, like if your school grades, once those grades go in, knowing they're not the principal or that school can't change it, right? It's got to be whatever the rules are written and the way you input grades. Well, and it's and validation think, too, right? I mean, there's a ton of validation that goes behind this, correct? What's validated, I mean, listen, they're going to be pirate blockchain. Right. Everybody like is making out blockchain like it's this, you know, it's going to be the panacea mm-hmm. for everything. But there'll be pirate ones. What I mean by pirates are there's ones where the rules are just written <laughs> to be disingenuous and other things of that nature. So it, it, it really what it is at the end is it's about making it, you know, non-changeable, right? And I think that's what the rule – so when you're looking at different applications, that's why it's blowing people's minds because it's not just about the financial markets or how to do, you know, financial right. transactions. It's about data and it's also just about rule. It's about the rules, like, what are you going to, it's like almost the old if then, like if you're writing code, it's like, if you say that this is the case, then this happens and there's no, well, and there's no subjectivity to it. So it there's a ton of, I mean, there's a ton of computing power that goes into this, right? Because validation and being able to actually go through validation for at least, and again, this is on the currency side, it might be different on the, on the, on the recruiting side, but I mean, crypto mining itself um, takes up almost as much power as the country of Greece. I mean, it's like 47 terawatts per hour. There's so much power that's been taken because of all the validation that needs to happen. And it doesn't seem like it's efficient by, by any means right now. Not at all. Well, I mean, that's why the crypto markets in, as a whole, just even in buying and trading now is so difficult. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, remember the dial up, go back to your, you know, your dial up days of how long you would wait sometimes because it was a flood of people trying to get on the internet remember your 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 ugly aol disc driven um days of of signing on to aol like that that would be a good analogy so i do think those things can work out in the wash Mm -hmm. as technology gets better in fact you're seeing i think rivals to bitcoin of people trying to come up with a speed solution but i think that's i mean the computing power everything you're saying is no no different when you think about telephony i know i came up through the wireless uh business in my in my past where you know you think about how many phone calls could have been made in the in the in the kind of early 80s when when mobile was coming on it wasn't that you know, wasn't that much capacity and then capacity kind of grew with with demand i think you'll see the same thing happen with uh with blockchain so really i mean and what you're saying is is blockchain or at least the internet when we first started off not everybody was really bought into the internet and they thought yeah this thing's going to kind of go away it's kind of shady i don't know if i want to get on this but we saw what it did with our lives because it made our lives easier we were able to access more information quickly you're what you're saying is really this is this is just the infancy of blockchain and of cryptocurrency and we should it should be something that we're looking forward to in the future Absolutely. And I think, you know, the, I don't know if you followed the, the, um, the regulatory climates around doing ICOs. Obviously, you mentioned it earlier in the, in, the, uh, in the discussion. Most ICOs have been, you know, set up for failure, um, poorly represented, um, overstating, you know, what the benefits of an ICO are. And so the regulatory commissions like the SEC and the CFTC are now starting to weigh in. And even their notes last, there was a Senate hearing last week, their notes last week were very um, encouraging because they're not just coming in like China and just saying, we're going to, we're going to ban all these ICOs. We're going to ban all these cryptocurrencies. They're mm-hmm. using a, a term called do no harm, which is what was used in the early internet days, which was, I think the government realizes that this is a special technology and it's really about blockchain. And while there's a bunch of bad actors and apples out there that are ruining it for the bunch, 
um, that the technologies is, and what's happening is too important, especially to this next generation of, of you know, the millennial generation and the Gen Z generation, where this is going to this is going to be the new norm for them. It's, this is not um, them asking them whether Bitcoin is worth you know, $10,000 or worth zero or taking some of the statements that have been made by like, you know, Morgan Stanley's CEO and other such where, where people are making absolute comments about it. It's, it's way too early. I do think that all of this means uh, what this means for people out there listening is that cryptocurrency isn't going anywhere, nor is blockchain technology. And that really now is just a matter of like si- siphoning through all of the mayhem, which I think will become clear more and more clear by each quarter. Jeff, I'll, I'll, I'll end my questions on this. And, and you mentioned um, crypto's not going anywhere, blockchain's not going anywhere. Um, where is it going to be in five years, though? Like, will I be able to go into Target and buy, you know, paper towels with my Bitcoin? Are we 10 years, 20 years from that? Like, give me some context around where you think cryptocurrencies will be in, say, five years from now. I think it won't take five years to do what you just described. And I'm not trying to make this to be like some, you know, um, some sage, but, you know, people are already, you know, millennials are already buying and exchanging services and goods right now using Bitcoin. It's just uh, the visas, the MasterCards, the Amexes haven't caught up. Heck, you're seeing some of the banks actually blocking your ability to use Coinbase today to, to buy on using your credit card. That is a, that's a lot of paranoia because they don't understand what's taking place. There is some bad debt associated with right. it, but the idea of you being able to use a uh, cryptocurrency to do everything is really going to be no different than like, what do you care whether it says Visa or MasterCard or Amex on your card? Really, when you think about it, when you go to store, well, like, like, and this yeah. goes back to how how you're looking to pay freelancers, though, right? I mean, with the with the with the Bitcoin or with the Moonbit, right? Is, is that part of the whole schema? Is that hey, look, uh, companies come on, you can be a freelancer and go work for somebody, and then the exchange happens on the actual app itself. And the currency is the Moonbit. It is, but what it what will happen with the Moonbit too is you could quickly, you know, move the Moonbit into Ethereum and then quickly turn that into a Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, whatever you want it to be. And that's that's right. the speed of currency and the movement of it. And that's going to be the complexity that takes place where somebody literally could be paying you one day in a Moonbit, and you could determine whether or not that's, you know worth cutting the lawn or designing a website and you can figure out whether or not that's something you want to like buy and hold. And it's, so it's, it's this mixture of, you know, the utility of, of payments mixed with something that could have value that you can trade on. The point I always make to kind of uh, people who are, you know, millennials aren't too keen to go to the stock market right now and buy Disney stock or Verizon stock or, you know, AT&T stock largely because it's slow and arduous and millennials are, are for the most part impatient, right? They're, multitaskers ready to move forward. <laughs> uh, no, hey, listen, I've got a lot of millennials at home and, uh, as well. But it's the idea that, um, that, the, that you, the user, have this flexibility in how you earn and you receive money in crypto. And then what, you, what could, could, could be exponential growth. And this is, by the way, exponential loss, right? I don't make this out to the mm-hmm. like everything's right. up and to the right is that you're giving people the, the power to be able to come in. And that's why this ICO market's so hot is people can come in and look at these opportunities as being at the ground floor of a Facebook, of a, of a Google. And by the way, by no means am I saying that about moonlighting. I'm saying that that's the way it's viewed by millennials mm-hmm. who look at those projects and opportunities because it's decentralized and it's more fair, which is most millennials have been 
taught and brought up in that fashion of everything needs to be fair, that that's how they're going to drive this forward. And that's what the power of, of blockchain will be in the next five years as, as they'll be using it at Whole Foods to buy you know, groceries as much as they are to go to the movies or do anything else that's uh, out in the retail world. And remember, kids, for every Amazon, there was a hundred pets.com. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Amen. And that, honestly, it's exactly why this ICO market is so uh, confusing to folks, because I think people want to get in just like it was in the, the heat of the I, IPO markets in the 90s, right? The late 90s is everybody wanted to, and they just were buying stock based on whether they had a, a cool URL like that, right? And they didn't have a so I yeah. like my advice to everyone is look at the right projects. We're we're doing a very compliant ICO. We're working with Cooley, one of the top law firms in in the U.S. Um, we're taking our time. We're doing it right. We're doing actually a pre-sale right now that um, we're letting people get in. You know, get bonuses and tokens to to get in early. And so we're being thoughtful. We're we're trying to you know educate people along the way and make sure that people follow. And so is the SEC and, and the regulators. They just want people to be truthful and honest and transparent. All the problems you've seen regulatory-wise are, are companies that misstepped by promising future you know, returns that they could never, ever promise, you know, overstating their, you know, not mm -hmm. sharing their financials, all the things that you just can't do if you want to be a credible company. So I just, I just thought of another question, Chad. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah, hit it. Um, will VCs be a thing of the past and will more – like will companies more and more raise money through ICOs or is that just sort of a novelty – and the, the VC firms don't have to worry? I think that the, the good VCs right now have already quietly made this move, and they have to be careful because they have all the limited partners. No different than I think there's a lot of publicly traded companies that are making moves but don't want to alarm the public yet, right? And they want to alarm their shareholders because it's so new and they're, they're still getting their head, hands around it. So I think for sure VCs are just going to continue, and they're, you know, they're very nimble and very agile, that they'll like, you'll just see them start to move. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I know, they'll move a percentage of their portfolio into these opportunities. We're talking with some of the, some of the largest ones and most uh, renowned ones that you, that are out there that are actually quietly doing this because they don't want to tell people they're into it yet. Sorry, I, I, probably, I, I might've asked my question incorrectly. So if, if you're a startup today, um, would you rather raise money through an ICO or would you rather raise money the traditional way? I think the answer is not to be cute, a little bit of both, but I think it, what the ICO market has done is that it now gives some leverage back to the startup because when you raise token, you know, you sell tokens, mm -hmm. it's, it's a non-dilutive event. It's actually treated mm -hmm. as if it's a revenue event or a big sale. And so you don't have the dilution. So what that does is yeah. now companies like mine could go to that market instead of going and, and essentially getting potentially um, bent over by a venture capital firm that's looking to take <laughs> a big a big chunk of your business, and so you know we've raised six and a half million dollars through traditional means um, over the last three years, and so we've gone that path. We have institutional investors, we have strategic investors, and that's great. But you hit a point in time where you don't want to dilute yourself out of the business, and so the ICO market, I think, for sure, gives power back to the entrepreneur, the startup, and gives them an alternative, which is why VCs are taking notice. If you look at the inverse of last year in 2017, you could see where the ICO market, you know, blossomed mm. and kind of exploded and you see VC investment has come down. And I think what VCs are doing this year is they're regrouping. Again, they're trying to find the best projects and the best companies. And I think you'll see all that settle out where you do, you need a little bit of both. I mean, you can't, I don't know if you know this about cryptocurrency, but when you do an ICO, you pick a finite amount of money to, that you go, that you put out there, right? So you, you put a fine out. So we're, we're targeting right. a $25 million 
um, token sale. So right, so I'm and the thing about blockchain, I can't decide to make it 26 or 27 million or 30 or 50. Once we print that, we we mint those tokens. It's it's finite, right? So it's it's that's the beauty of not being like the governments of the world that are printing money to and then diluting the value of of that money. And so I think that's something to keep into into mind as as entrepreneurs now have to do what they say, say what they do. They pick an amount they think is fair. But if I need more money a year or two from now, which there's, you know, as we continue to scale, um, venture capital will be a wonderful opportunity to do that. Fascinating stuff. And clearly the tip of the iceberg on this issue that we will continue to watch closely, I'm sure. Yeah. Awesome. Jeff, thanks for your time. Uh, if I want to learn more about Moonlighting and or your, uh, your ICO, where should I go? Yeah, well, we have, a, as we talked about earlier, moonlighting.com is our, is our operating website. We have, you know, we're a top 10 app in the app stores. And then we have a site set up specifically for people that are interested in cryptocurrency and blockchain. It's ico.moonlighting.com. So it's ico.moonlighting.com. Good enough. So easy. One of the easiest URLs I think we've talked about. Yeah, this you need week, to John. put like a go or ask or get and a dot. Well, 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 we, do, we do have gomoonlighting.com. We just kind of like uh, not using it. We used it uh, earlier in the early days. Jeff, seriously, thank you, man. And uh, we appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Best of luck. Thanks, to you. Jeff. We out. We out. Okay, 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 okay. Before we go, remember when I asked you about the whole reflex and check your text messages thing? Yeah, you know all about reflexes. Uh, and then I br- <laughs> brilliantly tied it to text messages, 97% open rate. Then I elegantly, elegantly <laughs> tied it to a better experience for your candidates. <laughs> Don't laugh, Chad. I can be elegant. Can't I? Whatever, man. I know it's redundant. You already heard about text to hire, but you're still not using text to hire from next. What? I, I know, man. Come on, man. Since advertising takes repetition to soak in, I just thought I'd remind you again, this was all by elegant design. It's all about text to hire and it's all about next. And elegant design. So go to chadcheese.com, click on the next logo. And get 25, yeah, I said 25% off your first text to hire campaign. Engage better, use text to hire from next. Two X's. Booyah. This has been the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google so you don't miss a single show. And be sure to check out our sponsors because they make this all possible. For more, visit chadcheese.com. Oh, and you're welcome. Thanks to our partners at TA Tech, the Association for Talent Acquisition Solutions. Remember to visit tatech.org. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.